This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, ha- send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, so that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome back to the Digital Broker Podcast. I'm Steve Anderson, along here with my co-host, Ryan Deeds. And today we want to talk about checklists. Checklists. Yeah, I mean, and so I think when you talk about checklists, what you're really talking about is a process that you've thought about that you've taken and you have put kind of step by step on how to accomplish that task, right? Yeah, and I feel like I, I, whenever I talk about checklists or coverage checklists or process checklists, I, I, I just feel like there's so much pushback uh, for, you know, using that rote method or, you know, that's too constraining or, you know, from the sales side, the producers never like going through the checklist of coverages to make sure the client has all the coverages they need. And people may not know, I'm a private pilot, been licensed for 30, what, five years. Uh, I'm not current, which means I can't jump in a plane and take off. Uh, I'd have to do a little bit of training to get uh, back uh, together again. And the thing that always I think of when I think about checklists is pilots. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the last plane you were on. Every single time a pilot gets into a plane, they go through a checklist. Right. It's the same checklist. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, we're glancing this over. Oh, no, they're calling it out and the co-pilots, you know, yes, and they're touching and they're, I mean, because regardless of how many times you go through a checklist, you will not remember. You will skip something. You will do something. And having that checklist makes sure everybody starts from the same position all the time and you you get everything done exactly the way it needs to be done in order for in that their case in order for you to take off and be safely landed back at your destination so checklists i think are really critical and i just feel like too many agencies maybe pay lip service to them but don't actually use them well and they, they and you know that they, they will drive back to a procedure manual Yes. Right. That is a 500 page exception filled thing that's just rabbit hole after rabbit hole that I find it very daunting for any employee to actually leverage effectively. And ultimately, I mean, when you think about your legal, it it puts you on such better legal footing if you have mandated a, a kind of a checklist philosophy through your agency 
to cover E&O risk, to, to cover gaps, to co any of that stuff. Because if something happens and you get called on the carpet, you could say, well, our policies and procedures that are followed 80% of the time, 90% of the time, are here. We had a deviation of that, which is going to occur. Mm -hmm. But that is that is atypical from us. Yeah, and I feel like checklists are, you know, we certainly talk about them as E&O protection, right? Mm -hmm. Make sure we go through all the steps and check and all of those kinds of things. But really, I mean, what every agency I know of is about is making sure their client's properly covered. Mm -hmm. And so I've never understood the resistance to a checklist to make sure the client's properly covered. You know, it protects the agency, no question. So big, you know, benefit there. I feel like the bigger benefit is making sure the client has what they need. And if they decide they don't want it for whatever reason, which is okay, that they know they were offered that at some point in the future. And uh, obviously from the, you know, the agency can show that, hey, we did uh, offer this. We did go through the benefits. They elected not to cover this at this time. They had a claim that was not covered. Uh, therefore, you know, we can't force them to buy. Well, and the story is better back to the client too. Hey, we walked you through this. Here's where you decline this, you know, and, and it, it makes it, it, you know, here in our podcast, we try to drive operational excellence. And I will absolutely say that an agency that is run by checklists, that, that adheres to them, that has thought about them and leverages them effectively is more operationally proficient than one that does not. And it provides excellence to the clients they work with and for, you know, internally. A lot of times what I think about from our employees, they've got a thousand things to do during the day. And if they have a checklist to work off of, that is a that is an indicator of what success looks like. And and I'll tell you, I mean, personally, I've, I'm not a good process person. I mean, if you know me, you know that I'm kind of chaotic and I'm, I'm disorganized. And so my new hire process was always a challenge. You know, we'd have a new hire come on. We'd have 15 things to do. I would do six of them and forget five of them and six more of them. And I would always forget where I was in this process. And ultimately, we came up with a checklist that lined all that up. And then I could deliver that checklist because then I'd get pushed back on the manager. Manager said, "Why didn't you do that?" Oh, I forgot. You know, <laughs> not and a not a great reason, it's right? It's not, and it sucks because I mean, wait, you you forgot this seven times with six with ten employees over the last year, and you know you get busy in your day. And so if you have a checklist of some form that allows you to say, okay create the person in Active Directory or whatever your renewal process is and add them to all these different systems, it, it makes me feel like I've hit the bases. I feel confident when I give that checklist that's completed to the manager to say, here, manager, here's all the things that we did. And it's funny because my first checklist that I did in that mechanism was six steps. Now it's 15 steps hmm. because the, the initial the initial blush at it, you forget a lot of stuff. And so even through that process, you were like, wow, this is really good that we have this dang thing because we forgot to add that person to this. So let's add that to the checklist, you know. But it's a philosophy that the agency has to adopt to say, we are going to take this out of, we're going to distill down some of the key things in our employee handbook and the, the operations manual into these steps and it's no fun. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. And people have to, to create it. Yeah, because you have five people that have a different philosophy right. on how something may be done. Um, and, 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 and a core tenet of operational excellence, in my opinion, is standardization, mm -hmm. which drives efficiency. 
Well, if you have five people that gnash it out and fight each other constructively, you know, and but they ultimately come to consensus on X process and it's dictated out in a checklist and everybody has that same copy, everybody knows what the expectation is. Yeah. And if something falls to the cracks, then you add that to the checklist. But the, the checklist to me becomes a very, very good um, way to make sure the employee does what you want them to do to drive the results that you want. It gives them an indicator of what success looks like for them. If they can put the final check in there, they know they did their task. They know that they did their stuff. And I think it makes your your whole – if you bring an employee in, new hire, typically would come in, spends a day or two with HR, maybe gets brought to the floor and gets sat down next to their teammate, and now they're picking up what they can from the teammate depending on how organized a teammate is on educating that employee. If they're doing that off of a checklist, it totally changes that. First of all, when you provide – Here's five checklists. Here's our new business checklist for Habitational. Here's our new, here's our renewal business for Habitational. Here's how we do an audit. Here's how we do an endorsement, right? If you have those, then that, that new hire looks at you with a much different degree. I mean, you're putting that person in a much better area to be successful. I was going to say they, they can be successful yeah. quicker in, in that position. So, so let me ask this. So we've we sort of talked about Procedure guides mm-hmm. and checklists are the are the checklists you've just described replacing the procedure guide or how do those two work together? I think I mean really in, in my perfect scenario procedure guides are dead. Right? Okay. Proce- in my perfect scenario procedure <clears throat> guides guides would be a online portal that has a has a slew of two to three minute videos that walk people through the steps that, mm-hmm. to be able to do that on a very tactical basis. Your checklist may be a combination of those steps, or you may granularize it very – it just depends on what you want to do. I do think there are a couple core tenets of failure in a checklist. Having too much – too granular steps in a checklist is going to be a problem. Because? All right. So go get loss runs is a good step. Okay. Go get loss runs from X carrier and click on Y box to do Q thing. So, so the step is get the loss runs. Right. How you get it or what carriers you get it. How you do that on the how portals. Would, how would somebody new know? They may be on a video. Best case scenario, they're on a video. Okay. Typically what we see is they sit next to a person and watch that person do it four or five times. They screw it up four or five times and they learn through that process. And on the 11th or 12th time, now they're able to kind of go to that one individual carrier and do that themselves. And, and do it. They've watched it. They have the steps. If they right. forget a step, it's there listed for them. That's right. So are they actually checking boxes? Just depends on the technology. I mean, for us, we built um, a very purposeful tool that – this is when I was at Crichton. We built something called the checklist tool, creatively named. <laughs> very creative, yes. Right. <laughs> but ultimately, Cooper, Cooper Jones, our pr- president, came to me and said, I want to incentivize retention for the account managers. And I, I had a challenge with that. When I went and looked at the data, I saw that the account manager had a limited ability to control retention, right? It was a, if they had a service component issue, that would be on them. Mm-hmm. But there was a market component. There were uh, price differences. Price differences. There were relationship <clears throat> things with the producer. So what I asked him, I said, you know, do you have five or six key behaviors you think that the account manager should exhibit to retain the account? Are there things that we need to be able to do? He said, yeah, sure. He says, we need to pull that 120 days out. Mm -hmm. We need to analyze loss runs 100 days out. 
We need to be educating our client on what their options are 90 to 60 days out. We need to prepare the, the you know, so there are these like steps. So I said, okay, well, that we can track, right? right? We, can, we can present a tool that tracks that. And so initially, that's what we did. We created this tool where anybody could go in and create the steps that they needed because I'm an IT person. I don't know what the behavior is. So, mean. yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to pause you here a second. So you created the tool or you used an existing tool and you modified it for your use. So this one was built from the ground. Uh, okay. You built this checklist tool from, from scratch. This okay. was Python, which is a language, a programming language <clears throat> um, and a SQL back end. SQL's a database, SQL's a database that stores the steps probably That's and correct. other information. That's right. And the reason that we did that was as I looked at the marketplace for checklist tools, I didn't see one that could fit our exact workflow perfectly. And what I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to hand the process back to the end user, have them be able to create the steps, have them be able to assign roles. So this is an account manager assistant role. This is account manager role. This is an AE role. This is a marketing role, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I wanted them to be able to submit that checklist to a manager to be able to approve the checklist. And then from there, now they know what success looks like. So those were our criteria in going into the building of it. And it took us a couple of days to kind of rough out a, uh, like a rough copy. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I tell you, it really took off. We had, we, have, we had multiple account manager assistants. We had one account manager assistant that would sit behind multiple account managers. Okay. Each account manager would ena uh, enable their account manager assistant to do different tasks for them based on their ability to delegate and trust that account manager assistant. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes that was not correlated to the account manager assistant skill, more with the comfort level the account manager had. Right. Um, they, they, they hold the bucket. They hold the E&O risk. They, they get yelled at if their stuff isn't done. And so sometimes we see that handoff be problematic. So the account manager assistant came to me and said, hey, I want to use this checklist tool to be able to, because we were using it for retention at that point. You know, mm -hmm. here's the behavior. Measuring the retention, That's here's right. the behavior. each department, they had their own <clears throat> checklist to be able to go through. And she saw it and she said, well, can I use this if, to, to designate the steps that I have to do for each of my account managers so I can make sure that I can have a successful day? I said, absolutely. Let's go ahead and do that. So she did that, and it was actually very illuminating because it came out to be 69 steps that she had to do, right? For Even, one process? For one process. Because for one account manager. For, for three different account managers, there was 69 different steps, steps. depending on what it was, yeah. right? And when I, there theoretically should have been seven. one step. That's right. Exactly. One process. One right. process, right. But, yeah. But I was able to take that thing that she created, put that on our president's desk and say, how does this person succeed? Mm-hmm. Without her of taking the time, without us putting it into a checklist and having them be able to see that, it would have never been nearly as impactful if I tried to explain that to him. Once he could sit down and look at that, he was like, what the hell? What What the, you know? Mm -hmm. And at that point, now he has ammunition to go and have real good conversation right. with account managers to drive change, um, which is another benefit of the checklist. <clears throat> because even if, uh, and I don't really care about the tool, you can do this in Excel. Right. You can, I mean, really, I would have my people create their checklist in Excel before they would ever do the checklist tool because I didn't want the technology to muddy the process. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once they got the tech, once they got the process down, then I would help them convert it over into the checklist tool. And that was distributed electronically and all this other whiz bang stuff. But the money is really in the thought, the thinking of taking three or four different individuals 
ways that they work and coming up with one standard. And you wouldn't do this across the board. I mean, you're not going to say, okay, commercial lines, you're going to have one renewal checklist. That probably is not going to work, especially if you're segmented out. So, you know, you look at social services versus habitational versus large risk management. Well, they, they, they all have the same process, but very different sub-steps That's correct. within those processes. That's correct. And, and, and the whole point of this was to empower that user to create something that made them feel like they were going to have a successful day, mm-hmm. right? And so to me, you can go to your end users today and say, hey, write me your renewal process in Excel. And if you handed that to three people in the same department and the same area, I, I'm almost positive the vast majority of our agencies would see very different stuff. Oh, no question. You know? Yeah, and that, that's, again, for operational excellence, you said this earlier, one of the keys to that is standardization of processes. Right. So, you know, is, how would I say this? Your account managers need to be able to give very strong reasons why they do it differently. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective. Absolutely. Right. And as, uh, and owners or managers, I, I think that becomes then the the tool you can use to help streamline w- what happens and what people do. Right. I mean, I think when you think <clears throat> about Having it gives you a great conversation piece over, you know, now you can take your checklist out of Excel or wherever you have it, sit it down at a table when you're having a a, a, a team meeting and say, what needs to adjust in this? What isn't facilitating? What are we missing? What are the things you hate to do in this checklist that we might be able to leverage technology, outsourcing? Right. Um, it, uh, it gives you just more visibility that, into the processes. Right. Transparency that all people can agree on. So you're building consensus. Everybody's having an input. But the culture of the organization obviously has to be conducive to that. Right. But I mean, I, I think about, you know, my perfect state agency. If I was going to build an agency, that is absolutely, it would be mandated that we we came up from that way. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, everything gets lost in conversation. And when you write these long emails that have steps intertwined in them, it gets lost. If you have a bulleted list, here's the 15 things for me to remark in an account that I have to do. Now and in the right order, and in the right and and not only that, it has dates, times. Yeah. Hey, <clears throat> we would always have negative one hundred and twenty days, negative sixty days, mm-hmm. negative ninety days, because now again you can drive those conversations home to uh, to have people understand. And then you know, for us, we would have the checklist tool right back into Power BI, which is a visualization tool, right? And our account managers would kind of live on the, the the Power BI checklist tool, and they would so they would be able to open that. And it would take all the steps from all their checklists that were due today, and it would show them. Show them. So now they have now, now they have a narrowed down to okay to be successful today. There you go. To use your that's phrase. Right. To be successful today, here are the things I need to accomplish. Yeah, and that's the money. And what a great in. tool. Right. Right. Yeah. And great for them to be able to go home and say, "I got done what I needed to get done today." They, they walk out of their heads <clears throat> held high. I mean, maybe they have twenty other checklists to do, but you can also know that hey. Your corporate mandate down to the desk level has been followed because your managers are checking these checklists, right? Mm-hmm. They're going through making sure the steps are there. That's driving the goals. So if that is a, hey, we want to reach out to that client twice on renewal, you know, once to kind of give them a soft sell, once to talk about coverage, you know, enhanced coverages, would you see your cross-sell opportunities increase? Would you see revenue being driven by that? Sure. You know? Yeah. And so I think that – and then can you also make those more efficient to reallocate that intellectual capital – back towards tasks that drive value more effectively than the road stuff does. So really what you're doing is taking um, what historically has been a static 
hard to find procedure guide right is not used you know that may be too strong for some but really is not used and put it into a daily uh, document absolutely so so checklists okay i go through the checklist is that captured as a document with the file right is it it is so for us because of the system that we architected i mean they we had a link so they would paste the link into uh, the agency management system. A node activity. That's that's right. And any time that anybody wanted to see it, they click it, and the checklist would come up with the notes on it and all that stuff, so they could follow through that and see what it was. So the checklist allowed for note taking on. So you, in essence, created a new checklist from the template. That's right. For every client. That's correct. When you started that process, that, and, and so then notes I, were taken there, and that's right. And so obviously, you know, when you're looking at core personal lines, and you've got 300 renewals in a month. You may not run a checklist on every one unless you have somebody going to a PIP, like a performance improvement program. Mm -hmm. But now if they weren't following procedures, here's the checklist. Live on this checklist until you can prove to us that, that you don't need to, right? Mm -hmm. New hires come in. Here's the checklist. You know, we're going to have an account manager fill in some gaps for you, but this is the process that will drive you to success, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, we had a template that the users would create, and then when they would initiate that client activity, or just like with us, we created a new hire template. Here are the 15 steps that it takes when when Janice joined the organization, we would create a checklist based on that called Janice New Hire. We would put in, here's the passwords, here's the systems that they ran, da-da-da-da-da. We'd print that out, put that on Janice's desk. We would email her the link to it, which then shaped her opinion about our technology in the right. organization as she logs in for the first time, clicks a link, and there's all her stuff. So like our commercial lines, um, one of our high-level commercial lines individuals, created an awesome onboarding checklist for commercial lines. Here's this uh, university that you're going to go to for this carrier. Here's this university. Here's these training programs you're going to use for the agency management system. Work your, this is your first like five days that you're going through this. Right. And so then, so that, there's no question. Everybody gets the same. That's right. You check off when you're completed it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and go from there. And it's very malleable <clears throat> because it can be used for things that were in arrears or in the, in the front. I mean, you, you could do all kinds of stuff with it. But I think the same philosophy holds true with Excel or anything else that you wanted to do. You could absolutely create an Excel template, copy that over, client name at the top, check the box, add that to your agency. Add that management. to the system just yeah. as a document. Right. I think more importantly, it's the methodology that you approach it with. Not the fact that the checklist is a tool. The fact that you're taking five different ways to do something, coming to, figuring out how to come to an agreement, which is a good skill for your teams to be able to build on. And that's the hardest part about procedures. Oh, I mean, dang. always the hardest part about procedures. Right. And it sounds to me, and I, you, you used this phrase uh, when we were chatting before we started recording, it turns it into a living document. Right. Right? Because so it's not just static we put on the shelf, somebody decided a long time ago this is it, but it's almost day by day, week by week, here's this carrier changed this process. That's right. So now we, our checklist has to be updated. And or changed. there's a smarter way to do it. You know, Or we figure out... There's Our, new technology or new shortcuts yeah. or new whatever. The awesome thing about the checklist is once it's written out in that format and you can get it into five people's hands, one person who's done it differently will say, that's not the way I do it. I use this system over here. Well, maybe those other four people didn't recognize that was available. And so now you've normalized knowledge a little bit across the board, you right. know? And so I just, I think that the methodology of taking the, these conversations that we have inside organizations and making checklists out of those is a skill that takes some time, but your net gain of that is – because now, like, when I was leaving Crichton, 
it was it was continuing to grow the utilization because some account managers didn't like it, right? Sure, right. If you had three, they felt constrained, or or they didn't. They had their way to do it, right? And they knew that Bob had his way to do it, and Mary had her way to do it, and they all have existed in, in, in fine for the next three years. But they were the ones that would turn over an account manager or assistant every twelve months and blame the account manager or assistant for not being able to do the job effectively. Right. Right. Yeah. When it was always they didn't know what success looked like. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that if if you're not using some process like that today, that's why I challenge you. Go to two or three of your employees or yourself or your peers, write down your renewal process, you know, at a high level and see if it's the same as the person's next to you. You know, write down what the step is and what the timeline is and then just compare notes because I think you'll be surprised at how inconsistent some of that stuff is. Yeah, I absolutely. I, there's no question in my mind that there's lots of inconsistency within uh, agencies currently. Uh, and that, that's been kind of the procedure guide issue forever. What about management systems capability in any of this? So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, and I just don't know enough. We may have to research a little bit more and, and come back, but Epic... Uh, workflow, I think they call it. Um, work smart work, in Sajita or work smart in Sajita. Vertifor world. It, 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 a little bit of that idea, right? Right. Um, but that's which, top down typically. <clears throat> so that's typically going to be some individual that's maybe disassociated from the actual workflow at the desk, dictating what they need as data markers to prove out that X step was done and what time it was done. Your buy into that is always nebulous. I mean, from what I've seen mm-hmm. out there. So generally, we go into one of these um, workflow tools really excited, and we create three workflows, and it takes us two months. And then we start to say, "Golly, we have all this, all this crazy hundreds of different stuff." Right, because the checklist is not going to be an exception tool. It is the eighty percent of the time the flow is this. If it is outside that flow, then you're going to have an exception to it and go do your exception. You may want to annotate, but I would typically say the checklist doesn't have the exceptions on it. You may have an exception checklist. So the checklist idea is just easier to keep current. Yes, absolutely. Would you say that was a distinguishing? And it's by the people that are doing the work because any of my account managers, I mean, because they created the checklist, right? I would never create one for them. I wouldn't even think about that. Just like they've never created an IT onboarding checklist for me. Right. So if they, if they were consistently doing something that they didn't want to, or they felt that the checklist was too granular because it was dictating too many steps, then they would be able to pull that out and change that around. The manager would have oversight of that to make sure that that, that the behaviors that we're trying to drive would still be compliant. Mm -hmm. But I think the main thing is, do you discuss this stuff? Do you have an ability to put your your processes into Excel easily? Because that was a very simple way to distribute this. And if you had your new hire, if you had your, you know, new business renewal, remarket, rewrite, um, you know, audit, all that stuff in Excel, and that was what you were able to give a new hire that came on board, that person would be more successful, I think. Mm-hmm. And you'd be able to have more transparency about what you're training that individual on. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and I, I do think, so I think a couple of key takeaways here, you know, checklist, make sure it gets done, make sure it gets done consistently, which leads to operational excellence, mm-hmm. uh, onboarding new people. A great tool right. to get them. Here are the steps, and get them in the training mode of okay. Here's what I have to do in order to be successful, you know, in the position, and helping existing employees know what they need to do uh, to be successful. And I think all of that is you know just really key. And for me, the kind of core idea here is taking that static procedure guide that's sitting somewhere electronically or physically. 
um, and make it a living document that right. that is continually updated. And I think that is I've talked about that a lot. But the kind of the technology or the way to make that happen hasn't been as as easy or seamless um, as it has in the past. Right. And I think that if you did this, it, it, there's a lot of pain initially, but the conversations that you even bro that you have by even starting down this path are pretty, pretty interesting to yeah. have, you know, as you see the different ways that the person sitting next to you for 15 years has been doing it. And you guys thought you were doing the same thing. Right. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> Consistency. Is key. That's right. Yeah. Well, Ryan, great conversation. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening. And as a reminder, uh, any comments uh, or suggestions that you have, uh, go to LinkedIn, the Digital Broker Podcast uh, Group. That's a LinkedIn group. Join that group if you haven't already. And uh, leave any comments that you have uh, under this particular episode. And Ryan and I will monitor that and uh, would love to interact with you and respond to any questions or comments that you might have. So thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Post your questions and comments at the Digital Broker Podcast official LinkedIn group page. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio allows agencies to turn their application and renewal process into a fully digital, modern customer experience. The platform comes armed with a preloaded database of smart digital insurance forms and applications, an e-signature solution, auto-generated proposals, and secure document sharing. To learn more about Indio, go to www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's useindio.com slash podcast.